Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow. It's free, you know. As regular listeners to My Tennis Journey will know, I'm a big believer that it's the tireless efforts of volunteers across Britain that make the wheels turn in British tennis. And today we're delighted to welcome to the show the most senior volunteer representative in British tennis, a woman who, as you'll hear, has made a lasting impact on our game by the innovations she has introduced and the service she has given. Welcome to the show, our LTA president, Sandy Proctor. Thank you very much, Rob. I'm delighted to be here. Ah, well, it's great to see you, Sandy. And I mean, I'd like to start right the way back at the beginning. You know, how did your tennis journey begin? Well, um, like many, it began at school. Um, I was that freaky, keen, all sports person who just played every sport available, um, including tennis. And I was in all the teams, of course. Um, No club, no coaching. Um, but I met my husband at Ealing Tennis Club at a playing-in test, um, and he was a really good player. Uh, so tennis became part of our lives, and we moved around the world quite a bit, and, and we always, wherever we went, we joined a tennis club, and we made many, many friends as a result. So I'm very glad that, that tennis is part, has been part of my life. I love this, Sandy. Um, I mean... You know, you've met your husband through tennis. I actually met my wife through tennis. Um, I was at the Derbyshire Tennis Centre standing on a balcony when I first saw my wife uh, to be, and she was coaching down below. It's a kind of like a Juliet and Romeo moment rather than a Romeo and Juliet moment. It's like it was uh, so, yeah. I mean, but straight away, like before we come on to it, you see the benefits of tennis. You know, neither of us have won Wimbledon championships, but it's had a pretty positive impact on our lives, eh? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. And how about like, you know, those junior tennis days? Fascinating to hear that it was at school, that you weren't having coaching, that it wasn't particularly, you know, being part of a club at that point. But, you know, what stands out in your memory of being a junior tennis player? <laughs> well, I think uh, the funniest thing was that um, uh, I I played a sort of rough and ready type of game, you know, a bit. I was a table tennis player, actually. I played, I played junior table tennis for England. And, um, and I think I played table tennis on the tennis court, really. Um, but I was a runner and I could get the ball back quite a lot. And my friend and I played in the Surrey Schools doubles event. And um, it was a big, big event uh, across the Priest Hill playing fields. There were hundreds of pairs at the event, all in their fancy white gear. They're all from private schools and they had stylish forehands. And we won the whole thing. And it, and it wasn't even at all popular because nobody knew us from any clubs. And I still had that medal in a box somewhere. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, you know, I say to the children that I coach, we, we go to lots of tournaments and with, with our children and with players from the club and with players from our county in Derbyshire. And I always say to the players, play the player. Don't play the reputation. Don't play the fact that the number one seed or whatever. Just play the player. That must have been a wonderful experience to be yeah. unknown and go home with that medal, eh? 
it's brilliant. <laughs> Come on. And and so you you went on, you you know, you've you've grown up and you've decided to become a, a, a PE teacher. Is that right? You went into PE teaching. How did how did that career come about? Well, it, 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 if I'm honest, it chose me, really. Um, I was school games captain at my grammar school. I organised all the inter-house sports and all the teams. I was bossy and organised everybody. So it was obviously a natural thing to do. And my PE teacher at my own school um, managed to talk my parents into it because, in fact, no one else in my wider family had ever even gone on to further education. Um, wow, yeah. So... Um, I, they needed a bit of convincing, but she was absolutely brilliant and managed to persuade them that this was okay and that I would get a grant and eventually I'd get a proper job and all of that. And so I'm I'm very grateful to her that she influenced that. And of course, it was dead right. I absolutely love PE college, and then I love teaching as well. Isn't that brilliant though? The fact that like somebody can inspire you and have the belief in you. You know the 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 role that an individual can do in shaping the journey that starts is you know it's one of the beautiful things about coaching I hope that we can you know we can help shape lives not just get you playing a sport come on I mean I I coach in schools, Sandy you got to help me out on this one I coach in schools and I love it I absolutely love it but it can be really challenging you know you've got a, a class of 30 children you've got some children who can play tennis you've got some who don't know one end of a tennis racket from the other what is your top tip from from your time as a PE teacher for helping me to to coach a large class of vibrant children? Well, I think I think you're right. There are all sorts of problems with different levels of ability. So I would, um, and I'm going to talk about primary school because I've done more of that yeah. more recently. Um, and first of all, these kids don't have much time and don't have much patience, and you've got big numbers, so. My two key words would be simple and active. So, um, but before I start, I would actually find out who the kids are that are quite good because I'd almost use them like mini leaders. So I'd almost appoint one or two kids I know from say the club who are quite good. I'd use them as my helpers. So, because otherwise they cause trouble. So you might as well give them a responsible job because you know that you're never going to be able to pitch the lesson at their level. The level has got to be of all the less able ones. So my, my tip would be make sure the activities are simple and active in small spaces. And um, you have to prepare that. But there should be absolutely nobody waiting for a turn because that's when trouble happens. and. I, I watch coaches sometimes now when I'm out and about and I see them creating elaborately complicated activities with complex scoring systems like, well, if you hit the ball here, you get one point, hit the ball there, you get two points, three points, four points, gone right over the heads of the kids, taking ages to explain, and then they get about four hits, don't keep the score, and they all wonder what day it is. <laughs> and, and, you know, you've got to keep it simple don't go elaborately down scoring systems. At best, count one, two, three, four for the number of hits you do, and a lot along the floor. You don't always have to use nets. Little kids are probably better hitting along the floor or with little diddy bounces. But that would be my two key things. Keep it simple and keep it every kid active. 
I love it. I think um, you've just kind of summed up in about 90 seconds what it's taken me about three years of coaching in schools to find out and discover. I wish I'd talked to you back then. But uh, I love it. And I love that, you know, we've got in one of the schools, we've got county players who are who are in the same group as players who, you know, really haven't picked up a racket before. And making little coaches is actually something that we've, we've found work. And, and, you know, it's really interesting because they may have the best forehand, the best backhand. They may know how to volley, how to serve. But do they know how to feed a ball so that it bounces in the right place for that child who's never played before, really, apart from hockey along the floor, to give it a go? And it's a different skill set and they're learning a different skill. But you're giving them, you know, the feeling of, of being part of a team, of of, of leading an activity and, and showing off their skills in a positive way. I, I love all of that. I will listen back to this myself and take some notes. Um, but you you gave this up, you know. You, you, you left the world of teaching to go on to become a tennis coach or you know what inspired that career change well it was um well I often call myself the accidental tennis coach actually because my husband got a job with an oil company and it involved us moving around and my our first move was to Aberdeen and we duly joined a tennis club as we had learned to do make friends we joined Cults Tennis Club which is a brilliant place and there was no tennis coach around anywhere. And all the parents were coaching their own children. And you know what that's like. And <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. So they saw me coming and asked me if I would coach their kids. And I was, I was in a teaching job, sort of temporarily on and off. Um, but I got involved in coaching their kids. So I, I then took the various coaching qualifications that I could. I was also um, a qualified squash coach, so that sort of went hand in hand, really. Um, and I, I absolutely loved it. I ran groups, I did private lessons, and I ran holiday camps, and that's how it all started. Yeah, and it's like you mentioned in your introduction um, that, you know, if you join a tennis club, you meet people, you become a member of a community. So you've, you've made that 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 career change, the accidental tennis coach. Sounds like a great name for a book, by the way. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you, you went on, you became coach and manager at, at Bromley Tennis Centre. You know, is that something that, did that happen soon after or did you have lots of chapters in between? Oh, yeah, I had, lo- I had quite a few chapters in between. <laughs> um my first chapter in between was that we got moved from Aberdeen to Dubai. Wow. So uh, in the, it sounds really uh, luxurious, but we were in the time of no grass on the golf courses and uh, no high-rise buildings. So not the Dubai you're thinking of at all. Yeah. But it was pioneering days of Dubai. And uh, my son was born there and coaching turned out to be the perfect part-time job. Yeah. There were the uh, tennis court, were there lots of tennis courts there, Sandy? Yeah, yeah there were. They were mostly in hotels. Yeah. And then we had an expat country club. So I started off by coaching in a hotel where I coached a mix of local Arabs and expats. Um, actually, I coached Mahesh Bhupati. How cool is that? That is incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, later on while I was there, I started up my own business in the expat country club and not just tennis, but all sorts of activities, kids holiday camps, swimming. 
but and tennis for adults and stuff. So um, that was really good. And that's actually where my interest in tennis for young kids really started because I'd read in a British tennis magazine of the time that short tennis had arrived in Britain from Sweden. And I just thought this was perfect. And I ordered a bag of equipment to come over from, from LTA. And I just started short tennis. We had a two court badminton ball air conditioned in this country club. And uh, I just thought this was the bee's knees. I could really start coaching the very little kids, plastic bats, sponge balls. And I fell in love with short tennis. And so, um, but three years later, sadly, I did move to Cairo where it was a little less easy. Um, I did coach at the Mardi Club in Cairo, but it was a bit tricky because I didn't speak much Arabic. But um, yeah, uh, that, wow. that was quite fun and quite different. My next yeah. stop was we went to Lincolnshire Ooh. in soil for you. Um, but I was there just one year, but long enough to set up a short tennis club and a business called Games Galore that a friend of mine and I took round all activities all around to the village halls. So we were <laughs> here at sort of one o'clock in the afternoon and set up little three-year-old activities. And then the after school kids were coming at four o'clock, five o'clock and six o'clock. And we would do short tennis, mini football, mini hockey and all of those things. So that was Lincolnshire. She carried it on when I left, which was great. And then I ended up back in Aberdeen, where by now there are some tennis coaches, but they saw me coming. And there was a lovely coach there called Mike Aiken. And, and he said, would you look after the short tennis in Aberdeen while oh. I look at the tennis? I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm in heaven now because there's no way I'm coaching outdoors in Aberdeen after I've been in the Middle East for six years. Um, and I ran a schools program, competitions, and I ran talented kids sessions on Sundays. And several of those kids went on to play uh, tennis for Scotland. Um, and some of the boys of course, ended up competing against the up-and-coming Murray brothers. Amazing. Do you know, I, there's so many things I love about this, Sunday. Like, I love, one of the things I love is, like, just how many things you were making happen wherever you landed. I mean, it's, you know, you must have had an incredible energy to to make these things happen um, and to get, get these things done. I love the, um, the soft tennis. I mean... I hadn't actually realised it, it came from Sweden, soft tennis originally. Yes. But I mean, my little brother, he got to the soft tennis like national championships or something. With the, it was like black rackets, wasn't it? And, and sponge ball. But that's yeah. incredible. And and wherever you went, uh, well, the thing I loved the most is that you were introducing people to our wonderful sport and to sport, you know, and, and to games galore. And, and yeah, you, the legacy that you must have left in all these bases. Well, I came, eventually came back to London. My husband's job got us back down here. And um, I then had to look for a place where I could coach short tennis because I'd just love it by then. And I found the Park Langley Club. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of that. Um, they had three badminton courts, which is pretty unusual for a tennis club. And they had a little bit of short tennis with a badminton coach. So they gave me an opportunity to just do what I wanted in this badminton hall. So 
Um, I started off with two classes and a little letter into my, my son's school to say join. Within a year, I was running 20 classes and set wow. Saturday morning squads for the good keen players. And I had such wonderful kids. I mean, the Bromley Beckenham area is ripe. It's got 21 tennis clubs in the area. About 12 of my kids then went on to play for Great Britain in, in either tennis, squash or badminton. I mean, for instance, Nick Cavaday um, is the head coach yeah. at Loughborough at the academy. Yeah. And Sarah Langford is now the manager after me at Bromley Tennis Centre. And loads of them went on to either play um, at a top level or have careers in tennis. So I'm really proud of them all. And along the way, as I was coaching, the manager there, because we were growing so fast, he asked me if I'd take on managing the programme. And we went from having about 40 or 50 kids on a programme and no adult lessons to having 2,000 players a week on our coaching programme. Can you imagine that? 2,000. We, we hired all the local sports halls and park tennis courts. Um, and It's unbelievable. Know, it's unbelievable. I've got to like... I, can I imagine it? It kind of makes my head explode. Two thousand. You know, I was thinking as you were as you were about to like tell me a number. I was thinking, I wonder what Sandy's going to say here. I did not expect it to be two thousand. When you said two, I was thinking two hundred maybe, and I was still have been impressed. Two thousand is incredible because what I love about that is that's like you know, it's a huge amount of people that you're influencing with the the positivity that tennis can bring and of course at the top of a pyramid you're going to get the performance players who come out of it which is the 12 that went on to that international yeah but that is unbelievable no I don't, and you know we didn't realize at the time that we were doing something unbelievable because it's not like the LTA is now where we we communicate good case studies and, and share with everybody all the good things that are going around the country. We all existed in our own little bubbles. And, and we had no idea how good we were at this and until Roger Draper um, sort of asked to find out what was going on because we had 10 kids selected for a national futures programme and, and most counties didn't even have one and we had 10 from just us. So he said, I want to know what's going on at Park Langley. And he came to visit us. And actually, that led me ultimately to um, going and working at the LTA for seven years. Amazing. Amazing. Just like, um, and you're right, you know, there weren't the LTA awards and things which bring the amazing case studies out in the same way. I mean, 2,000 people, was, was life like? ridiculously hectic at that point were you still driving this bus alone had you got other people with you like helping you with this had you grown a team like how did you manage that yeah well we had about 20 tennis coaches and we just kept hiring more and more tennis coaches all the time um and we had a head coach called Clint Harris who managed the, the team I managed the program but we we're also managing a badminton program and a squash program at the same time so um, yeah, I had a I had an admin team for sure, as well as as coaching. It was brilliant. It was brilliant team effort. So inspirational and so like really motivating for us, um, for me, you know, of of wanting to create a buzz in our area. It's so motivating. And so, how did Bromley come into this? Is this was that the next chapter? 
Um, not quite, because there's a chapter in between, which we'll probably touch on later. But so um, Bromley was after I worked at the LTA. So sort of more chapter okay. four, if you like. So um, and I'm going to say it was another accident, really. I'm, I was the accidental <laughs> general manager because I'd been at the LTA for about um, five years as mini tennis manager. But then I moved to Kent to be the LTA, like county manager for Kent. And I was based at Bromley and it was doing okay, not great, good for performance, but not great for anything else. And after a review, the local authority uh, leisure trust that was running it, that sacked the manager and asked me to help them look for a new one. And we just couldn't find one. I, I was I was like turning my nose up and going, no, no, he's no good. No, she's no good. Blah, blah, blah. So in the end, they went, oh, for goodness sake, you just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no management experience and certainly no financial experience or knowledge. But hey, ho, I did it anyway. And I said, I look, think- what I'll do, I'll, I'll look after the mini tennis program and the rest can look after itself. And once again, we went from about 200 kids on a program to about 1500 this time. So our capacity was less. And, um, and, and it was the red program and the mini tennis that did it all because that more and more kids come. And as long as your coaches give really good fun lessons, they keep coming and they move up to orange and their kids want to play. Um, so yeah, it, it, the rest of it, but what happened then was the local authority then wanted to dump us. We were on a school site and, and we weren't, we were a bit, a bit of a drain on their finances. So they, uh, the school tendered for a new operator and mm. in came Steve Matthews, who mm. you may have heard of. He mm. had extensive um, time with the David Lloyd setup. I coached both his children back at Park Langley. So he came into the frame He won the tender and he and I got on fantastic. I loved working with Steve. But what he did is he brought the commercial nous to the job that I didn't have. I could get on a tennis court, but he could bring the whole commercial aspect to it. And Bromley just went from strength to strength. So I look back on that chapter as a challenge well worth taking on. Right. I love it. I love it. But you know when, you know when like, I think, I think there's certain people in this world who can just make things happen. And it, it might be that you're not a financial expert. You're not a, an expert in whatever, you know, whatever might be listed on a, a job advert. But if you've got the passion, if you've got the absolute drive to make something happen, and, and that's about introducing people to our brilliant game, then that's what, that's what delivers 1500 2000 whatever it is it's it's not you know a, a, a qualification it's the passion inside it's the fire that burns to get on and make it happen and wow i mean i had no idea that that, that you'd been in those sorts of um those sorts of positions to do that but wowzers just brilliant i mean i i must um, i must say i'm really looking forward to talking going back a little bit and talking about the lta chapter but i mean i must ask you you know Emma Vadakanu was at, at Bromley as a junior. Was, was that in the period you were there? And do you have recollections of, of Emma being there? 
Yeah, I do. And yes, she was there when I was there. I've actually known Emma since she was about five when she was largely at Sungridge Park and Park Langley having her coaching. But she used to come to us a lot for competitions. And I ran a lot of the, particularly the red and orange competitions. So she was always there. Um, she was clearly very, very, very talented. But but one of a little handful of kids that were very talented. Um, so not on her own. But she was a very sweet little girl, always polite, smiley, very, very focused on the court. Um, she joined our performance programme at Bromley when she was about 10. So I was still there. Um, I can't claim to have ever coached her. Shame, really. There are some <laughs> who now do claim to have coached her, um, but not me. But I did manage the coaches who coached her. Although I say that very loosely, given managing performance coaches is virtually an impossible task. Um, but she was very, very well looked after by a coach called Alistair Filmer and the rest of our performance team and our S&C team. She went to school on our site. And so she was always in and out of the centre. Um, when she wasn't playing tournaments, she was training at different times. And she was absolutely lovely to have around. She would always chat to the staff. She'd, you know, be doing a little bit of homework in between sessions. But she was very friendly um, and very respectful of the staff and, and a very delightful girl. Oh, man. And, you know, the bonds that you get with people. I know, you know, as a junior, I still see some um, parents from when I was a junior. And, and I know what their first names are, but I have to call them Mr you know, Mr. So-so, because I feel like, I still feel like I'm that junior and they're that adult who was kind to me or whatever, you know, they were, they were good to me, that helped. You know, I bet if you see Emma now, you've got that bond, haven't you? I bet you can chat, you know, the trust's there and yeah. she'll be just as chatty, eh? Yeah, she'll always give me a hug when I see her at um, a Grand Slam or a tournament. I must say that when she won the US Open, our excitement as a team was off the scale. Um, yeah. And I, I yeah, I, I'd actually retired from my manager role by the time she'd done that. Um, but I still feel part of the team at Bromley. So, and I know Emma still trains there. So, um, yeah. brilliant. Oh, amazing. Come on. Well, I, you know, I'm really excited about this next bit we're going to talk about because it's something actually that my wife is really passionate about. And she did a dissertation in this sort of area. But you know, your passion for tennis and just not even, it goes way beyond that. Your, what you've achieved in terms of introducing people to our game is, is amazing. But now I want to talk about tennis balls because red, orange and green tennis balls are something that I'm sure the majority of our listeners are familiar with. I mean, just to bring this to life, uh, the red ball is a slightly larger ball that has less pressure um so it, it's not as fast it, it's easier for a younger player to deal with whenever i go into a schools program actually regardless of the age i use uh, red balls a lot because the space is sometimes smaller and if a child gets hit with it they're not going to hurt but it is it's a fundamental part of junior tennis in our country is red orange and green tennis balls but uh, am i right in thinking that you were involved in in introducing the original red, orange, and green program. Yeah, that's right. It was a very, very exciting part of my life. Um, so while I was at Park Langley, the the some of the ball manufacturers had come out with what they called low compression balls. 
And uh, we at Park Langley embraced them quickly because we had a lot of experience of kids moving from using a sponge ball on a badminton court straight to a tennis ball. And, and it was hard for them. And the talented ones were always fine, but the less talented really, really struggled. So we embraced these balls pretty quickly and we introduced this transition program. And because the Park Langley program got suddenly recognized for being amazing, um, I was asked to go and join the team at the LTA to help create a new structure for kids called mini tennis. So we had short tennis and tennis. So come on, Sandy, you come and help us. And the team was led by Phil Vesey from Middlesex. Don't know if you know Phil. He, he's brilliant. And he was a brilliant guy to work with. And we had a great team. And he sent me out to research where this was happening. So there were other pockets of people using these other low compression balls and some tournaments had started, but there was no structure to the program. So um, I met some really great people and we decided that there should be three stages for kids prior to yellow. And, but we didn't know what to call them. So we went through all sorts of ideas about names of players and, and snazzy cartoon characters and things like that. But on the way back from one of these meetings, I was stationary for ages at the Finchley Road traffic lights on the North Circular. And I was just staring at the traffic lights. And all of a sudden, that moment came to me and went, there it is, red, orange and green, why not? Oh, I love it. Love it. I went, I went back to Phil and I said, red, orange and green. And he went to Roger Traper and said, red, orange and green. What do you think? And he went, is it a bit complicated? <laughs> we said, is every kid in a car at some point or a bike or something? And they see traffic lights. So he went, yeah, right. I like it. So there we go. There was red, orange and green. And we, we just created. I had a fabulous team. Um, of Mark Tennant, Mike Barrell, Jenny Thomas, some coached tutors who helped me create all the resources. And we rolled it out through um, mini tennis roadshows around the country. We did 21 a year roadshows um, for three years. But I tell you what, there, there is an extra bit to the story because the red outdoor ball did not exist. We had sponge and then we had low compression that we called orange and green. Yeah. And we knew this would never go to all clubs unless we had a ball that could be used outdoors. And we went to all the manufacturers and said, we'd like a red, we think we've got this idea. We don't know because we don't make balls, but we think a bigger ball, soft, red felt covered, red and yellow maybe, and nobody, they all ran out of the door fast, apart from Derek Price of Price of Bath who went, I'll give it a go. And after wow. seven iterations of making them, we said, we think we've got it. We've tested it. It doesn't burst. It doesn't go flat, blah, blah. And, um, and so we, we commissioned him to make sort of 10,000 of them. And we took them around on the road shows. And there was the beginning of that red outdoor ball. Now, coupled with the fact that we also said that you don't have to play on a badminton court, but you could play across a tennis court and yeah. be flexible about the size. We don't mind. Not, it's not rigid. So together with that as well, um, uh, then I'm going to say that 
phrase, the rest is history because the combination of those three things and the branding of red, orange and green, do you know it's now in 150 countries around the world? It's unbelievable. You could do a podcast just on this, just on this, because I feel like questions coming out of my mind, left, right and centre, but an interesting one to ask to start with on this. So I'm guessing that you'd been thinking about the name of the the what you were going to call these low compression balls and thank the lord they weren't called that by the way <laughs> that doesn't roll off the tongue but i'm guessing you've thought about that for some time and then it just popped into your head at the traffic lights would that be right well sort of um you're right that that head had called their balls transition and evolution so yeah there wasn't ever so children like um but we, we had discussed things like the fact that squash balls had got coloured spots. Yeah. And we discussed ski slopes being coloured. We discussed judo belts being coloured. So colours had definitely come into our minds. Yeah. And it was me sitting at the traffic lights that I went, they're the three colours we need. I love it. I love this because it's like, the related worlds, when we used to work with a, a creative consultancy at when I was at Molson Coors um, called What If, and they always talk about related worlds and ideas being fired by related worlds. So ski slopes, firing ideas you've got. But the other thing that I know more than anything is like, if you want to come up with an idea and it's not going to happen when you just sat at your desk. It, you know, you can't go to yourself. Well, it might do, but you can't really go. To, I'm going to come up with an idea now. I'm going to sit yeah. at my desk. I'm going to crack that idea. The idea comes by getting out into the real world and experiencing things. And I just love the fact that it came sat at the traffic lights, red, orange, green. I wonder how many people out there had realized that it, it, it I mean, obviously there's the traffic light connotation, but inspired yeah. by traffic lights, just amazing. And, and the difference it makes 150 countries are using red, orange, and green balls, and they're using that, that that terminology. How many children, how many players have stayed in the game because of the introduction of these balls? I don't think there'll be a way of estimating it, but it's going to be a hell of a lot. And and as you say, the, the kids who are talented, who have, you know, they will make that transition from the foam ball to the yellow ball. Those who aren't, they're going to be lost to the game. I would think it's hundreds of thousands more players have stayed in the game because of this programme. I, I think it's two things. I think there's that, that they've stayed in. the. But I think hundreds of thousands of kids have started because of the balls. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, we, we in Sweden were lucky that we could play short tennis with a sponge ball, but the rest of the world isn't. And they were outdoors. So um, creating that red outdoor ball that opened a world for um, all the other countries that don't have indoor courts to suddenly get involved in it. So I'm, I'm going to say it's introduced even more kids to the game and yeah. then they played. Yeah. Totally agree. And as a coach of on an outdoor four-court club that I love so very, very much, but it blows a gale. It blows a gale. We have so many young, you know, four, five, six, seven-year-olds on our red program. And if we only had a sponge ball, they would never hit the ball because it would be blowing a gale and they'd blow left, right and centre. I mean, I, I love, I just, I, the red ball to me is just, 
an incredibly useful tool for introducing kids, introducing adults. I, you know, I don't see why you, an adult should be given a yellow ball straight away if they're new to the game. Give them a chance to learn a little bit and get to the speed of the ball first. I just think it's it's one of the most amazing innovations in the sport of tennis, and and to have played a part in that is a, is a pretty cool thing, eh? Yeah, no, I I love it. And, you know, I'm I'm still in touch with Derek, who made it. Derek is now in his mid-80s and wow. still has his uh, factory in Bath. His daughter runs the business, and I see them when I go to Bath for the County Cup. And um, wow. he's just adorable. He he still goes to his factory seven days a week. And, this and is amazing. Still, still innovating. And without him, this would not have happened. Love it. Well, Derek, massive thank you from all the <laughs> tennis coaches out there. It's, um, you know, and the interesting one for me, like, I can talk about this. So I have tried, I think, every single brand of Red Bull that is on the market, I think. Like, literally, because I just really have, you know, it's such a big part of our programme. We get through them. I honestly believe the price of bath ball i now know it's the original i also do believe it's the best you know it's a it's a fantastic fantastic tennis ball and by the way there's some very very good other ones there that i'm very happy as a tennis coach to buy you know there's there's loads but isn't it it's a lovely story that that derek um was involved in the creation of it and and went out on a limb you know when others weren't willing to try it he went out on a limb and did it and yeah it's um yeah it, well and incredible to hear that he's still going every day that's a passion for tennis isn't it no fantastic <laughs> come on the, the the story of that really could fill a whole episode and it's it's brilliant <laughs> to talk about but you've got you but you've done another innovation that i want to hear about so we've got to move on but you know we've we've got uh we've got three children our oldest one is an LTA LTA tennis leader. Now, the the tennis leader program is one that that as as a coach, I'm really passionate about because it's a, a program for 13 year olds plus. It gives young people the skills to help in coaching programs. It's almost like an introduction to coaching too. I think. I think if 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 children, uh, teenagers enjoy the uh, LTA tennis leader, I think there's a good chance they'll go on and 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 do the level one as well. But am I right in thinking in saying that you created the the tennis leaders program as well? Yep, I did. <laughs> I well, yeah, I did. Um, because you know, even from it's it's got a natural link to mini tennis, right? So short tennis, red tennis, you are best off when you've got some help. You you can you can do more and have more children enjoy the game if you've got teenagers helping you. So. All the way from my very early start in Aberdeen, I had, well, I had a very, very good tennis leader in Aberdeen. Um, and and I, at Park Langley, we had an army of about 50 tennis leaders and we did our own training program. So I knew how brilliant it was because the parents absolutely loved me for doing this because um, they, their kids did not have to go and get a job stacking shelves at Tesco's they could come and help with the mini tennis red lessons. Um, so it was, it was a brilliant way forwards. And we, we did training and we had leader of the year at, at our end of year event. And we, we actually paid them little bits of pocket money as well. And they, they helped with the holiday 
Um, so there I was working at the LTA doing mini tennis and uh, we started talking about the next steps and a teenage program. And I said, well, the obvious thing here is to let's create a tennis leaders program. And I worked uh, with Sport Leaders UK who do it across all sports and they were really, really helpful. And then we tested it out in some schools in the Midlands. You mentioned perhaps Cathy Sabin at some yeah. point. She tested yeah. it her school at Idsall and Martin Rock's school at Rising Brook. So all these kids tested it and we ended up launching a program in 2007. Well, it's on its third refresh because these things have to be refreshed. And the current program um, had four and a half thousand young people go through it last year and completed their leaders course. Um, it's indisputably a, a great way of keeping kids in the game. Um, and I'm going to say of all standards because yeah. it's the kids who are disillusioned saying don't think they're going to be a pro. This is for all of them because even if you're going to be a pro, Emma Raducanu is a tennis leader. She's Come done her leader stuff and she helped with some of the younger kids at Bromley. Um, and that some of them may go on to become coaches. Some of them may go on to become uh, PE teachers or primary school teachers or whatever. But, but it gives them all sorts of life skills. It, it's a wonderful thing to see because the development of these youngsters is huge. That's that's so true. And and I think what the tennis leaders, just like you've said, I think what the tennis leaders programs does is is it helps that it helps that transition from being a, a child, being a teenager into someone who's got responsibilities, who can organize children on a tennis court, who and it's not just about being the best player because the best players don't necessarily make the best coaches. You know, we've had tennis leaders come through who have made wonderful coaches who weren't necessarily the ones picking up the trophies you, you've you've been involved in in what are you know two of what i think are the greatest innovations in in british tennis you know if you could introduce one new innovation into british tennis and com complete that hat trick right now what what do you think it would be um, sandy well uh, yeah this is really tough to kind of think of something new because these things come to you when you're not really looking for them, don't they? It's just yeah. what you said now. You can't sit at a desk and come up with an idea. It comes out of need. And so we needed to have something to take kids from short tennis to tennis, and that's what came out of it. We needed something to keep our teens in tennis, um, and that came out. Um, what I'd really like um, is to develop further what's been done now. So for instance, I would love that the red, orange and green balls are not just thought of as something for kids tennis, but for, it's something you said earlier about all ages, all teens, all adults would love to play with red, orange and green. So if you've only got a small space in the garden or somewhere, just get, I mean, we saw this in lockdown, didn't we? Uh, people were playing with a red ball or yeah. a sponge ball in their garden. I think that an enormous number of teens and adults who are enjoying tennis to a degree with a yellow ball would enjoy it much more if they played with a green ball. Their rallies would be longer, they'd get more exercise and they get more fun. So I would say that what I'd really like to see is that it would be considered to be more than just kids, but also 
that the ball manufacturers really start getting on some consistent terminology with it all because it's confusing to buy them. They're not that easy to yeah. purchase. There's, there's not a consistent name for them. And it would be much easier if we really promoted them, but there was a really, okay, one-stop shop, get the red, orange, and green balls, and this is how you use them. I could go out and play a game of tennis now with a yellow ball and have a tremendous amount of fun. I could have the same amount of fun playing with a red ball. You know, I, I love red ball tennis. I love orange ball tennis. I love green ball tennis. I love playing tennis. And it, it's not about what age you are. It's what's going to make you have the most fun. And, you know, and we've all been there when we've seen an adult go down to the tennis club with a child. Isn't that brilliant? That adult has gone down with a child to, to a tennis club. They're playing tennis and then they get out of full ball, you know, and, and it, it whistles past the ear of the young child. And it's like it never comes back. The rally doesn't go beyond one or two, if we're lucky, before the ball sails out. And you're like surely that that the fact that they're down there doing it if they're doing that with a red ball i do it quite a lot where i'll say you know i'll be coaching and and i see this happen and i'll say oh it, why don't I, I is it okay if i just hit you up a red ball to have a go with it just to see how you get on with it and and you find that the experience is better i think it's a really interesting one because it's into the kind of intricacies of it but from positioning point of view it is not just about an age band that guidance i get why it's there but it can't, it shouldn't be, should it? No, uh, I just think what, how many more people would enjoy tennis from when they start and forever if they just even knew more about the ball, the right ball to use, the right sides of the court to use. You're so right, Sandy. And it's, um, it's a really interesting area. I think the kind of low compression balls um, and how they're used and by whom they're used. And, and in terms of that, you know, I know it's something that the LTA are looking into and I, I look forward to seeing what the kind of next steps on that are. Um, i got to say, I've loved talking to you about the kind of innovation chapters in your journey, and I'm sure you've got lots more innovation still to come. But you, you are, of course, starting a, a really exciting newish chapter, which is as the LTA president. So... Yeah, um, you know, I guess there's people out there who who won't be sure what the role of the LTA president is. So I guess that's a you know a good place to start. You know, what is the role of the LTA president? Well, uh, well, first of all, nobody is more surprised than me that I'm in this position. This is incredible. It's it's like another sort of accident, I think. Um, I've I've always been a volunteer, so organising activities, competitions, and stuff for kids. And then back in Kent, I was invited to join a committee in tennis, then the board. And then I was elected as the Kent LTA councillor. Now, all counties have a councillor, plus organisations like ABTO, Seniors, Armed Forces, TIA. Now, the president leads this council. So that's the, the big main job of the, the president is to lead the council. And we're like, the conduit between the 300 LTA colleagues in the central team and all those out in the various organisations like the counties, um, most of whom are, are volunteers. So they support tennis delivery locally, working with the LTA regional teams. So it's a real 
conduit coming together and that's the group of people I'm I lead and I'm in I'm try and motivate so the president also represents the LTA at various events around the country like I present awards in uh, all the counties and organizations I present the medals at the county cup um, and I also represent the LTA internationally at the ITF and tennis Europe. So there's the I mean, job. Yeah. Well, it's sad. I, you know, having heard what I have heard so far, I'm sure you'll be inspiring lots of people when you're out and about, you know, doing that job. And how would you describe that contribution, you know, as you go around the, the country, the, the contribution that volunteers make to British tennis? Well, I'm going to say more enormous than enormous. I mean, you, you just can't even calculate the size of their value. Um, we've got around... 25,000 volunteers in venues, in counties, other organisations, um, running competitions and all sorts of stuff. Um, they support local activities and then they run their own associations. Um, uh, so they're looking at governance, good governance, safeguarding, um, financial, um, looking after themselves. So Scott frequently says... Um, that 300 colleagues at the LTA can't do everything and that this volunteer workforce is enormously important to us achieving our, our mission and openness. It's, it's more enormous than enormous. And I just want to give a call out actually to someone at our club, say we, we haven't got a toilet. You know, if you come to our tennis club, you have a festival experience in that we have a portaloo and it's okay. You know, we get by. But there's a lady called Anne Allen on our committee who absolutely sort of took plans that had been put together by our committee, but took on the drive to make that clubhouse happen and has managed to get like a crowd funder together that was as raised, just raised literally yesterday. We found out that we've got to, to £20,000 and we're going to have like a clubhouse. It's going to have two toilets would you believe it's going to have a social space it's going to have a table tennis table it's going to have like a place that our community can come together and be a community in a way that we haven't been able to because of chalet it has secured i think a very exciting future for our tennis club and the incredible amount of hours that Anne and the other members of our committee have put into this is all voluntary you know and it is a tremendous amount of hours. It is more enormous than enormous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are quite a few clubs that have, have done this, you know, raising money. And there are several sort of ways you can do it. And I visited one in Shropshire last week called WEM Tennis Club. Yeah. And they've just put theirs down. It's, it's like a, you know, container type uh, structure, but it's got two toilets. It's got a nice sort of social area. I don't know if they've got a table tennis table tucked away in the corner, but a little kitchen area and they can make tea and coffee and everything. Brilliant. I love the way tennis clubs are stepping into that nice sort of just finding a community spot. It sounds like it's very similar to what we're going to have. And I must say, if you ever up, we'll have that table tennis table up there. And I would, I would love to have a game. You know, I feel like I could learn a few things from your good yeah. self, but I would love to have a game. <laughs> Uh, come on, come on. Have you got goals for what you want to do as LTA president? 
Well, I had three years as deputy, so I had plenty of time to sort of think about what I wanted to do. And and David um, Rawlinson, who you, I think you've interviewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I learned a lot from him and yeah. I was able to see it. And, and he had uh, We Are One Team as his strap line and a president does have a strap line. So um, I wanted to sort of follow on and continue the theme. I extended it a little bit and I've, I've got a strap line that says to connect and inspire our tennis community. And by that, I mean that my focus is on connecting people in tennis so that we can share good practice and inspire each other, really. So it goes both ways. Um, hopefully I can do this through the LTA council and the councillors cascading information to and from the county and their organisation volunteers. We get together as a council about four times a year, but we also have many, many work streams where colleagues and uh, councillors, volunteers work together on certain topics. And, uh, and, and that way we kind of just share and contribute to how, what the LTA produces in the way of support. And we've got things like the tennis volunteer community, which I think you're familiar with, yeah and you know just to say just to say on that because that's actually literally what i was just thinking you know to, in terms of connecting and inspiring the uh the job that the guys on that, that tennis volunteer group do is is incredible and yeah. um i know you know i know you chatted to the guys on a, on one of the webinars that they do and if there are any volunteers who happen to be listening to this if you're on facebook you know do look up the tennis volunteer group because it's so useful you know just the other night i was in a committee meeting and i can't genuinely can't remember what it was we were discussing but my bit of input was just ask on the tennis volunteers group you'll get the answer you need you know it's a brilliant resource and and yes. uh, and, and fits in so nicely with what you're talking about yeah it does Oh, come on. Come on. Now, I mean, I know that you're the second female LTA president, you know, after the sadly missed Kathy Saban, um, such a wonderful lady. Um, I think also had a PE teacher background, Kathy, as well, you know, and who who served the LTA as president from 2014 to, to 16. It is focusing on driving interest in our sport with girls and women, something that, you know, that you're particularly passionate about. Yeah, of course it is. And, and yes, Kathy was a PE teacher. So kindred spirits, me and Kathy. Um, and uh, yes, I'm, I'm not only interested and in supporting driving interest in women and girls coaching and playing, but actually I'm also interested in encouraging women to step up to more leadership positions. Um, yeah. And the people team at the LTA, Vicky Williams and I, um, and, uh, and Leslie Cunningham, we've been setting up a programme this year for 12 women volunteers on our council. Um, it's 12 month programming quarters and it's all about leadership and uh, presentation skills, public speaking, collaboration, all of those kind of things. I'm using quite a lot from the ITF Advantage All programme and we're using a lot from the colleague programme at the LTA as well. And it's really going well. We are having so much fun. And the, I, I can already see the 12 women on the, the, the programme already sort of ready to step up, make, do a bit more public speaking. And I hope next year we'll roll that out to a wider group of volunteers out in the 
other counties and organisations. So yes, yes is the answer to that. Brilliant. And I love like, you know, you mentioned fun there and we've mentioned fun at various points in this podcast, but if you're having fun, it doesn't half help make things happen. Like whether it's getting better at tennis or, or getting better at public speaking or whatever it is, you know, if you can make fun part of the algorithm, it's going to help. And if any of those people would be, you know, have things they're particularly passionate about that they would like to come on and talk about on my tennis journey, then yeah, you know, please, please do let me know. Um, another, another interesting one. Um, we've seen paddle become part of the LTA offer. You know, I, I know that pickleball is flourishing too, um, where that's getting up and going. Do, do you see these emerging racket sports as complementary to our brilliant game of tennis? You know, are they part of one happy family, or or or, or should they be seen as threats to to our game? Well, they are slightly different, um, but no, I absolutely think they are. We are all in the same family, really, um, and I think we can all support each other and benefit from each other. I've played them all um, and I've loved them all and I would play any one of them at any one time. In fact, li- likely I would play more pickle and paddle because I've got two replaced knees and me on a tennis court isn't, isn't a nice thing anymore. Um, but, but there are some people like me that would play all and there are some people, I think, who would be attracted to one or another depending on their ability and their environment because there's no doubt pickle is very easy and really probably very good in places like leisure centers paddle is um is easy again and um, they're both a little bit more sociable because they're mostly doubles um but they are racket sports and uh i don't think they're a threat to tennis at all in fact if anything a great opportunity for venues particularly to get more people in um yeah. find more income um so i think i think they're great um, one big, One big family. Come on. I, I really believe that as well. I believe anything that makes you have fun, that, that gets you outside, that keeps you fit, keeps you healthy, gets you to meet people. Um, what isn't to love about that? And it's a really interesting one, actually, because I love your answer, but also I love it more now in the knowledge that when you were getting those 2,000 people to play um, back in that chapter, that it was it was tennis, it was squash, it was badminton. You've always taken a multi-sport approach to what you're doing. So I think it gives you, you know, real credibility in this space to say, yeah, it's one happy family. It's they are complementary. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Now, I mean, I know uh, we, we haven't got that much time left, but you know, I can't not talk to you about county tennis because it's kind of one of the things that I'm just most passionate about. And I, I know you've served Kent LTA in a, in a, a voluntary capacity. How important is, is county tennis and events like LTA County Cup to you? Uh, well, I think it's important to all of us. I mean, it's very important to me. I've been part of the county. Um, I haven't played in uh, the Kent County team where I've, I've done a lot of my tennis. Um, counties have got a great history of local activity, running county teams, county championships, producing newsletters, supporting venues, all all sorts of stuff. Um, But what I think I like about it is that I think players, coaches, volunteers, they like the sense of belonging to a county. They like the county spirit. Um, Some counties really engender that, that brilliant team spirit and they, They really celebrate county tennis and their success on things like 
their website and social media. And everybody loves the County Cup. So from eight, eight to 80s, it, it's brilliant. Now, um, last weekend, I was at an eight and under Inter-County Cup in Shrewsbury, followed by a nine and under event in Bath. And you can see just how proud the kids are wearing their county T-shirts. They absolutely love it. So um, roll on, long may it last. I love it. I love the answer and I love the event. And it, it makes me feel a buzz, a kind of like that uh, Ready Breck advert from the 80s, the warm glow inside to hear you talk about it because... <laughs> You know, like our Stanley, actually, he's off to play 14 and under County Cup this weekend. He's he's travelling up in a minibus um, and he's off up to Wrexham. And I know he's got amazing friends through it, you know, competing as a team. It feels amazing to say that you, you've represented your county. He's also made incredible friends from like other counties um, through through tennis. You know, Nottingham will be there. Um, and at a recent tournament, he met one of their, well, a couple of their players actually and got on with re- with them really well because I always think, you know, you could, I, I don't remember so many of my results from when I'm a junior, but I know I made lasting friendships that when I see people today, I'm so happy to see them. They were my rival back in the day, but I'm so happy to see them and, and County Cup has played a big part in that. So, oh yeah, come on, long may it last, long may it flourish. A um, couple more questions for you just to finish. Um, I mean, what would you say, it's a tricky one, this, but what, what would you say the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity are that you think the LTA face? Well, I, th- I think the main challenge probably now, I would see as being financial, really. I think the rising cost of living, the rising cost of energy, the rising cost of running venues and building new venues, our investment programme, in new venues and um, all of that is going to be really tough workforce costs so that's really what I see as as the main challenge and I do think um, we all um, especially out in the venues we've all got to be a little bit imaginative and uh, about how we can overcome those mm. um, I think the biggest opportunity is our parks because the investment of the 32 million pounds we're putting into parks combination from the government and the LTA Tennis Foundation, working mm. with local authorities, upgrading parks, they are going to be looking so good and we're putting operators on them to um, get some activity going in them. And hopefully that is a huge opportunity to get thousands more playing tennis. And then alongside the development of the paddle courts, that are growing everywhere. We're just up to 250. The growth of those as well uh, means that I think that's where our opportunities for the future lie. Come on. Come on. It's, um, yeah, uh, you know, we've got a park. It's not too far from us. It's a beautiful park, actually. Probably about 35 minutes away is is Litchfield. And they've got a wonderful park uh, programme up and running that just shows what you can achieve. when when an operator comes in, I think it's a community group actually who's running it, but they've got a fantastic programme going that's just getting so many people playing our game and enjoying our game. You know what, what I would love, like, you know, if like you, because I get the feeling when you put your mind to it, you know, you go into it with you and you can accomplish anything. And one of the things that I'm like, really, I, I think about a lot, you know, I think about 
I think about more than I care to admit is what is the solution for indoor tennis courts that is not mega, 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 mega expensive. And yesterday I drove past the car wash in near us and they were out and they had like steel structures with a canopy over the top. And it looked to me like a mini red tennis court. And I thought to myself, I need to be brave here. I need to get out and I need to go and talk to guys and go, uh, please, can you wash, please, can you wash my car? And just wondering how much does that cost? Because <laughs> it looked to me like a mini, you know, like innovation wise, because I, I used to work in innovation as well, you know, and like, and I think that like the, if we could find a covered space, it would make a wonderful, wonderful experience at our tennis club. But you're right. Um, canopies are probably all we need. We just need cover um, because mm. the, even the indoor courts nearly everywhere are still cold. So <laughs> we just need to not get drowned while we're playing. So, But canopies um, are frequently being built over paddle courts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably like your car wash. Um, certainly yeah. you could put canopies over um, small little red courts everywhere. Um, what we need to do is find a structure that is like a canopy that goes over full-size tennis courts. And I know the LTA facilities team are looking for that because, yeah. you know, that or you know, it looks like that ought to be our answer, but we don't know. Mate, I think I I just I just know, like having chatted to you, they just need to get you involved in those meetings more. I promise you. <laughs> I know you'd make it happen. Like I actually genuinely believe that. I think you'd make it happen. Um, now, finally, though, a question. It's a it's a regular question that we ask on the podcast. But if you could go for a drink with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Okay, I've listened to lots of your podcasts and I, I know now that quite a few people cheat, right? Because it's very, <laughs> it's very hard landing on one. So I'm going to have two little drinks events. My first is that I would really like to meet up with Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi and their family because they must surely be one of the most talented athletic families ever, perhaps alongside the Corders. Um but I'd love to know what they've been doing since tennis, you know, with their school and their charities and, and what their kids doing. So I'd love to meet them. That's, the I mean, that's, that's a first, that's just to say, cause we'll go on to your next one, but I would, I genuinely would love to be there for that. Andre Agassi, like I almost shed a tear when he won Wimbledon because I yeah. loved him so much. You know, I, I used Don A rackets as a kid. I had the denim shorts. I had the, the fluorescent sort of whatever they were underneath. Yeah. And, Pink top, shorts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and to me, like, and then reading his book and hearing about, you know, how both of them had, I guess, challenges with being a junior of the intensity of their programme, but they came through it and, and how they seem to have found happiness. And I just think, like, you could get on so many subjects, actually, you'd, you'd have a fascinating time with those two, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, yeah. And they've been a bit of a mystery since they stopped playing tennis. Yeah, it's so true. I'd love that. Okay, but we'll come on. Who's, who's the next one? Well, but the person I really would like to see again is, in fact, Cathy Sabin. Oh. Uh, I'd like to talk to her about being president. Um, she was such a huge influence in my journey. Um, without her encouragement, I just absolutely wouldn't be here today probably not wow. talking at all or being president or anything. 
Um, and she was such a good friend and I really miss her. So I'd like oh, to see That's lovely. Um, Kathy Sabin, so at Derbyshire uh, Tennis Association, we decided, I actually worked on the Football League Awards, which was last weekend, the EFL Awards as it is now. And um, we started up the Derbyshire Tennis Awards, kind of based on that model, really. And Roger Draper came along uh, to one of them. And I think it was the next one after that, or the one before, Kathy Sabin came and uh, and spent time with us at, at Pride Park Stadium. And just what a wonderful, like wonderfully warm, passionate, inspiring. I remember her talking to one of our our young tennis coaches, and I was just kind of I was there, but just hearing. And but I really remember coming away thinking, well, that that young tennis coach has just been properly inspired into making things happen in our game. And yeah, what a, what a lovely answer! And so, so you must have known Kathy Kathy well through the, the, the tennis world, was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, when I first joined council, I think because I was a kindred spirit PE teacher, she took me under her wing, and um, and she just looked after me and and gave me lots of opportunities. And then she was the one that encouraged me to put myself forward for the board and then deputy oh. president. And just to sort of finish with, I was in Shrew- at the Shrewsbury Club this last weekend, um, where Shropshire Tennis um, opened the Cathy Sabin Community Centre. And I was unbelievably honoured to be the person that opened it oh. and made a tribute to Cathy um, and sort of talked about her part in my journey. And she is so loved around there and beyond. Um, it was heartwarming. Oh, well, that is a lovely story, a lovely um yeah, and a, a lovely choice. What an inspirational woman Kathy was, and and very much missed. And yeah, a great answer. But you know, Sandy, it's been it's been so good to to talk. You know, I think um, like when I was researching your good self, like to find the bits out about the the different tennis balls and that you were involved in that, and to find out that you're involved in the tennis leaders, and and now to hear about it it's inspiring stuff and i think that what it what it shows me i'm sure what it what the listeners will think is we're in a pretty good shape moving forward from a lta president point of view and like what strikes me is in 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 the roles that you've had you've always made stuff happen and i can't wait to see what you make happen in this role because i've got a feeling it's going to be some exciting stuff so so thank you so much for your time and um yeah, it's 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 been great hearing about your tennis journey. Oh, thank you, Rob. You're so lovely doing these. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wait, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today, but thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed that, please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes. And we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon.